So I want us to begin tonight by noting some of Solomon's observations and conclusions about this quest that he is on as we have studied. In our scripture reading there in Ecclesiastes 2 and 12 through 17, starting in verse 12, notice what it says. He says, And I turned myself to behold wisdom and madness and folly. For what can the man do that cometh after the king? even that which hath been already done. Solomon in this instance is looking back and contemplates on his completed but unfilled task. He is finding the meaning of the ways of this world. And this turns us back even for our own thinking tonight that it is good for us to examine our own selves. I'm reminded of 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5 where we are told to examine ourselves and test ourselves. I believe that is something that you and I should do on a daily basis. Sometimes for me, it's on an hourly basis. I have to examine myself when I am in situations in life or whatever may come my way. I have to take and look and examine myself and prove myself to make sure that I am doing the will of God. And Solomon turns us back to that thought. And someone might ask, can good, because we're talking about good things versus bad things, things that we may have done or didn't do or, or the, whatever the case might, might be, but someone might even ask the question, can good come out of failure? Now you think about that. Can good come out of failure in our lives? Well, most certainly it can. I could name you or list you off numerous situations in my own life to where I failed, but good came from that failure. Sometimes, you would, as I always say, we have to back up and punt <laughs> to be able to see what we need to do and where we need to go the next the next section of our life or whatever the case may be. But that's, that's, that is when we do that though, that is a, uh, or that is the forgetting and pressing on, I believe, that Paul is talking about in Philippians 3 and verse 13, where he says, I must press on. And he says, I must go ahead and forget the past, forget those things which are behind me and look forward to the things that are in front of me. But then he asked the question, for what can man do who comes after the king? Only what has been done. Of course, this is a personal observation from Solomon that applied to him. And what he notes here is that he did all he could. His investigation, if you will, was thorough and that his successor would not be able to add to it. So furthermore, his, his conclusions, as we shall see, will never change. Much of what Solomon observes in his quest and in this letter in the book that we're reading and studying deals with the nature of man and, his, and this life. Things that are going to remain as long as this world exists. Remember again back in Ecclesiastes 1 and verse 9 where Solomon says there is nothing new under the sun. 
So verse 12, he says, I turn to consider. I turn to examine myself. I turn to prove myself or see where I am and what I am accomplishing or what I have not accomplished. The second thing we find from the scripture that we read tonight in verses 13 and 14, notice with me. Then I saw that wisdom excelleth folly, as far as light excelleth darkness. The wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walketh in darkness. And I myself perceived also that one event happeneth to them all. Then said I in my heart, uh, let's stop right there, 13 and 14. The pursuit of wisdom is better than folly. The statement there that he makes. And as light is better than darkness. What I see in this passage and I want to share with you is that Solomon gives great insight into this in the first four chapters of Proverbs. And I suggest that you go read that in, in your time that you have or whatever this week and compare it back to this lesson. He gives a great insight to these th same things in chapter four, the first four chapters of Proverbs. And he already describes wisdom, including its superiority to foolishness. And I want to note just a few of them here tonight. In Proverbs chapter one and verse five, we are told that, or the gist of the, the whole thing, and I'm going to turn there and read it with you uh, instead of just paraphrasing it. But in Proverbs chapter 1 and verse 5, it says to us, it says, A wise man will hear and will increase learning, and a man of understanding shall attain unto wise counsels. You go on over in Proverbs chapter 2, in verses 1 through 12, which is a lengthy reading, and I will just summarize that. But it says, wisdom will preserve you. After he says that a wise man will hear and increase his learning, and he'll obtain those wise counsel, he then, in chapter 2, pulls it together and says, wisdom will preserve you. It will help you understand the fear of the Lord and the knowledge of God. When you read those first 12 verses of chapter 2, that's what you gain from that. And I think it's very interesting that the statement is made there that wisdom will preserve you. You know, when we have wisdom, you know, we always said knowledge is how, you know, knowledge, wisdom is how you use the knowledge in which you have. But when you have wisdom, it will preserve you in so many ways in life. Physically, it will preserve you. Because if you're not wisdom, if you don't have wisdom and you're, and you're not using it in the way God intended it, you'll have folly or you'll have foolishness, which sometimes foolishness leads us into situations to where we may be hurt physically. And we'll talk about that <clears throat> a little bit later on. But wisdom will preserve you in so many ways. Proverbs chapter 3 and 13 through 18 shows us, and Solomon writes there and says that, that the value of wisdom, what the, the wisdom, the value, of what it means to you <coughs> and to me. Notice in verse 13 uh, of Proverbs, uh, Proverbs 3, he says there, Happy is the man that findeth wisdom, and the man that getteth understanding. 
For the meaning of the merchandise of it is better than the merchandise of silver and the gain thereof of fine gold. More precious than rubies, all things can desire are not to be compared unto her. You go on, it says, length of days is in her right hand, and in her left hand riches and honor. Her ways are ways of pleasantness, and all her paths are peace. The tree of life to them that lay hold upon her, and happy is every one that retaineth her. The value of wisdom. You know, we should seek to find wisdom, should we? James says that if we should ask for wisdom, God will give it liberally, doesn't he? He gives it to all of us. And I think that's something you and I need to be praying for. But much more could be said about wisdom. And Solomon would show and appeal <clears throat> to its value throughout the book of Ecclesiastes as we continue this, this series. What about verse 14 in the very first part? The wise man's eyes are in his head. I don't know about you, but a lot of this stuff, when I read it, I'm sitting there going, what in the world does that mean? Y'all may do that or you may not. But I'm like, it's just, it's hard for me to understand. And I have to really dig down and try to find out what the meaning of that is. But when he says there <clears throat> that <clears throat> the wise man's eyes are in his head, meaning that the wise man is alert. When you go and study that passage and you find the true meaning of that and what it breaks down to be, you find that the wise, what it means, the wise, man, the wise man is alert. And not only alert, is that he speaks before he acts, or he thinks, rather, before he speaks and acts. He is careful in his actions and thoughts. You know, we just read about the Proverbs there. And about wisdom. The wise man's head, eyes are in his head, but the fool walks, walks in darkness. You know, Solomon has already noted here that, that folly is worse than wisdom and darkness is worse than light. <clears throat> but often, the fool walks in darkness. The fool is not careful, he's wasteful and doesn't think about the future. He seeks immediate and self-gratification rather than consider long-term outcomes. And you know, too, we talked about how sometimes foolish and folly will lead to our death. The fool is more likely to die young. You know, we see so many young people dying today, don't we? And a lot of it could be could be done away with. A lot of it could, could be uh, counteracted and, and not, uh, not having that, not allowing them to be able to do that or feel like they have to do that. And I'm not necessarily talking about suicide. But we're talking about those things in life that are foolish. One thing I thought of in preparation of this study, I can remember when I first started driving. As a boy... I was uh, intrigued by loud mufflers. That's why I couldn't fuss too much on my son. I was there one time too. But I wanted to drive fast. How many of you remember back when you were younger? You wanted, you wanted to burn those tires, didn't you? Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm burn. I, I did. I don't know if y'all did or not, but I don't want to. I want to smoke them tires, man. Make the smoke come up. I can remember one night in town as a young boy, boy named Roger Brown. He had a little old, little old something. I don't know what it was, but he thought that was the fastest machine there was around. And I had an old Ford Thunderbird. I don't know how I had it. I guess my daddy, I guess he had it somehow or whatever. He said, you want to race? Oh, that's all it took. Yeah, I race. We went out to where we always raced cars. I got out like I knew what I was doing and turned my air filter upside down. You know how they do all that? I didn't know why. I just seen somebody do that. I didn't know what it meant. I said, give me a minute. Let me turn my air filter upside down. I thought it might scare him. I didn't know. But we had a race. I blew his doors off. Old Ford Mercury with baby blue. But you know what? I could have been killed. I could have been killed. It was foolish on my part to do that. A buddy of mine had a big blue Bonneville. We was coming back from pregame meal from football and six passes. We had six football starters in that one thing. We could have been killed. He passed a guy going up the mountain, and we was all hanging out the windows cheering him on. We could have been killed. And it's talking about those things, of food, and not just that area of life, but a lot of things in our own life that we do that is foolish. That's why I say the fools will not live as long sometimes. But what is that about us, that we want to do those things? Well, it gives us excitement, doesn't it? It gives us like we're something or, or we got something that somebody else doesn't have. But again, it's all foolishness. But again, beyond that, there are many other consequences of foolish behavior. You know, sometimes it affects the innocent as well, doesn't it? In preparing for this lesson, I thought about the driver that was impaired, that was drinking, who was influenced by alcohol or drugs, that took the life of some innocent person. You see, we need to think about our actions. Think about what we say and what we do before we do them. What can happen? What could happen? It's often good, good wisdom and good uh, words to tell our children to slow down and think. Can this get me in trouble? Can this kill me? <laughs> That's something we need to think about in line. But you know, the most foolish thing one can do when we talk about all those things, one of the most foolish things that a person can do is to disregard God. Proverbs 1 and verse 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. But fools despise wisdom and instruction. Someone who is considered foolish or a fool will despise instruction. They'll say, oh, they don't know what they're talking about when the older person talks to them or tries to advise them. Oh, we all could think back on that, couldn't we, in our lives. When someone older tried to advise us not to do this or not to do that or wait or 
Oh, they've lost their mind. We'd say, that's what I would say anyway. Proverbs 3 and verse 7, Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. Great, great words. Again, we'll see throughout the book of Ecclesiastes as the fool and the wise are contrasted. Ephesians 5 and verse 15 says that we should walk circumspectly or uprightly, not as fools, but as wise. One version says we're not to walk unwise. Romans 1 and verse 22 speaks of those who refuse to consider God. Professing to be wise, what did it say? They became fools. You know, the whole thought of disregarding God. One would say, well, how does one disregard God? You know, we might think along the term that, well, one is an atheist who does not believe in God. Well, yeah, I would say that would probably be at the ultimate, ultimate end of the spectrum. But one might say, well, <clears throat> I just really don't need God. And sometimes we find ourselves as human beings and men and women and young boys and girls thinking, well, I don't need God right now. Everything's good in my life. Again, that's dangerous thinking and dangerous living, isn't it? Yeah. To disregard God and his ways, taking away the whole thought of salvation, we talked about this morning, and faith, it's dangerous living when one disregards the salvation that God has put out there for mankind. When one continues to say, I don't need God. Everything is good the way I have it. Oh, that person be so, so surprised one day in their life. As fools walking in darkness, as our scripture is talking about, lights in a dark world. Darkness is often associated with rejection of God and his ways. John chapter 3, verses 19 through 21. Contrast those, de- or those whose deeds are evil that are walking in darkness with those who are walking in truth, who come to the light. And again, in the book of John, chapter 1, verses 4 and 5, in the introduction part, he notes that the light was Jesus that shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. And he makes a great analogy here in the book of Ecclesiastes. Romans 13 and verse 12. The wise man will cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. What about 14 through 16 of our passage? It says to us, we find the first reason why the pursuits of life are vanity. You know, it's very interesting in this study to watch how things unfold. In chapter, again, chapter 2, in verses 14 through 16, the wise man's eyes are in his head, but the fool walketh in darkness. And myself perceived also that one event happeneth to them all. 
Then said I in my heart, as it happeneth to the fool, so it happeneth even to me, and why was I then more wise? Then I said in my heart that this also is vanity. For there is no remembrance of the wise unto wise more than of the fool, for ever seeing that which now is in the days to come shall all be forgotten, and how dieth a wise man as the fool. Again, we find the first reason why the pursuits of this life are vanity. He perceived, Solomon did, that the same event happens to them all. And what he's referencing here is death. Ecclesiastes 3, 18 and 19. And one of the, screen, one of the things that we are continually reminded of, the things throughout the Bible, is that death is coming. And it will be followed by judgment. Hebrews 9 and 27 is pointing out a man wants to die, then the judgment. Romans 14, 10 through 12. And we need to understand, and what Solomon is trying to teach us, that is when our fate, or when we die, our fate is sealed. That is why we must prepare for death. We must be prepared for that day. When we do die, Ecclesiastes 12, 13 and 14, you're very familiar with that passage. Says, Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God, keep his commandments, for this is the whole duty of man. For God shall bring every work into judgment with every secret thing, whether it be good or whether it be evil. So Solomon says, in, our, in this scripture that we just noted, why was I more wise? And as I've studied this and as I've looked at this, I believe that it's a question more out of frustration that Solomon has. Why was I more wise? And Solomon is not saying here that wisdom's not good, as we've just seen and, and noted. But do not count on wisdom, he says, to keep you from dying, and worldly wisdom at that. It, too, is folly. 1 Corinthians 1 and verses 20 through 20 and 26 through 26 teaches us that. His point, it says, that you can be the smartest, the wisest, the richest, and most famous person in the world, and you're going to die. Your flesh will decay, no matter if, you, if you're one of these people or not, will decay just like everyone else. And what he's saying, he says, you will not return from the grave. I think about Luke 16 and 19 through 31, the rich man and Lazarus and what we learn there. But Solomon comes to this conclusion, doesn't he? The death, death's going to come to all, no matter who you are. And then he notes in the rest of that passage, there's no more remembrance of the wise than the fool forever. He says, since all that now is, is will be forgotten in the days to come. You know, for about 99% of all people, once they die, their remembrance will be, will only last maybe a generation or so, sometimes if that long. 
one's social status, wealth, wisdom, or folly will not matter. Well, someone might say, well, what about famous people? Well, they tend to last, their remembrance tends to last a little longer, doesn't it? They may remember it a little longer, but they're exception to the rule. You know, one might say, what good would being famous do one who is dead? You know, even with the famous, it's not going to increase one's standing with God. People who are famous, people who are rich, whatever, it doesn't bump them up the line, maybe as we sometimes say. But you know, that fame is not limited to the good and wise. Sometimes... It is the fool and the evil one that's remembered. And isn't that, I believe, the point that Solomon's making? Isn't that what he's trying to say? There's no remembrance of the wise more than of the fool, for ever seeing that which now is in the days to come shall all be forgotten. And how dieth the wise man as the fool? You know, how does the wise man die as the fool? According to 1 Corinthians 15 and 22, death comes to all men. None are exempt. Except when the Lord returns, and two exceptions in Scripture, we understand that some will not die until they see the Lord. Some will not, will not uh, meet that. But you know, we, being wise as we are, must prepare to meet our God. Solomon points out these things. I believe in my study and analyzation of these, the analyzation that I've done through these things, that he's saying you must prepare. I'm saying to you tonight, you must prepare to meet God. You know, how will, be, how will we be classified? Or how will you be remembered when we die? Will it be one that was full of folly and foolishness? Who, re, who continued to reject God? Or would it be a remembrance of those and someone said, well, they really love God and they followed him. They tried their best. Man, they were faithful. You see, you never know, you and I never know when we're going to face our God in eternity. We don't know that. We don't know when the day shall come. You know, as uh, we read in Scripture, you know, it's going to be as, as a thief in the night. 2 Peter 3 and verse 10. Come as a thief in the night, in which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that therein shall be burned up. Now notice verse 11. Seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved, everything that we know on this earth will be dissolved and done away with. Melted in one of the biggest structures, the hardest steel 
will be melted and burned up. And he says, knowing those things, what manner of persons ought you to be in all holy conversation or living and godliness? While on average, the wise live longer than fools, but again, there's no guarantee. Death comes to all, and many at uncertain times. Solomon in his wisdom explained to us tonight while the pursuits of life are vanity. And one reason, again, is because of death. And I hope tonight that we may never be so foolish to think that we can escape death and judgment. I hope no one thinks, well, God's just going to overlook me. I'm just going to fit in and slide in. No, God doesn't work that way. Individually, you and I will stand before God. And we'll either stand before him prepared or we'll stand before him unprepared. And Solomon gives us a good lesson tonight in these verses about how we live our life. So tonight, how are you living your life? Are you prepared? Are you living as a fool, foolishly? Or are you living with wisdom and searching, continuing to search out the ways of God? Tonight, if you've lost that way and need to come back, we encourage you to come back. Confess those sins, repent of them. Let us pray for you and with you. Maybe you need to become a Christian tonight and put Christ on in baptism and continue to live for the Lord faithful the rest of your life. You've heard the word. You know what's right. You believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Confess his name before men and be baptized. Tonight, whatever your need may be, please come. Together we stand and as we sing.